This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. But 1 Samuel chapter number 17, we've been in this passage uh, for the past two weeks, and we're coming very near to the end this morning, beginning in verse number 38. We're learning that this story uh, that so many of us have grown up knowing and have heard about and has even been used widely in the secular world uh, has a far greater significance than uh, the world attributes to it. It's more than just a motivational story to help us understand how we can overcome the challenges of life. This is a story of God's redemption. And uh, prophetically, it is a story of not only David, but the son of David, the redeemer of mankind. And the victory that he won uh, over sin and over Satan and over death. And our choir just so wonderfully sang about that victory. Satan thought he had won. And uh, then he heard the voice of the resurrected Savior. And we really find that story illustrated for us here in 1 Samuel 17. Uh, We've noted that Goliath was a defiant foe. And uh, we understand that Satan uh, is a defiant foe who rails upon the Lord's people, and upon the Lord himself. Uh, We understand that David was a willing servant. He did not come to the battle to fight that day. He came to the battle to take some food to his brothers and to see how they were doing. His dad had given him that charge, and so he came to the battle that day uh, to complete the task his father had assigned to him. And while there, he heard the voice of Goliath as he Uh, screamed out with all his vile hatred toward God and God's people and challenged the men of Israel to fight him. And David said, well, if nobody's going to do it, and for 40 days uh, this scene had played out day after day, so no one was going to do it, David said, well, I'll do it. And he was a willing servant. And today as we come to verse number 38, we're going to see uh, a conquering shepherd, a conquering shepherd. We begin in verse 38. The Bible says, And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these. I cannot go, Saul, wearing your armor, for I have not proved them. And David put them off of him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. And the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, 
he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of fair countenance. Here was this young, red-haired shepherd boy, just a little teenager, standing in front of this mighty warrior. And it was an insult to Goliath that the Israelites would send this little lad to face him. Verse 43, And the Philistines said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? David had his shepherd's rod in his hand. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee with something far greater. I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. In other words, you're in big trouble, buddy. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee. And take thine head from thee. It's almost comical, isn't it, to hear this young, fair-haired boy say, Today, I'm going to take you down, Goliath. Verse 47. Oh, let's finish verse 46. I will smite thee, he says, and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day. It's going to happen today, Goliath. No more 40 days. It's over. This day, under the fowls of the air, under the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Why was David there? That's the statement. I want everybody to know there's a God in Israel. That's what he said. Verse 47, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with the sling and with the stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until they come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way of Sheram, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they spoiled their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. I was speaking this morning on a conquering shepherd. That shepherd was not 
the shepherd boy. He went into the battle, yes. He put the stone in the sling and he threw the stone. Yes, he did. The giant fell. David ran upon him, took the giant's sword, severed his head. But David recognized something before he ever went into the battle. It wasn't his battle. It was the Lord's battle. And he did not go in his own strength. He went in the strength and in the power and in the name of the Lord. So who conquered? What shepherd conquered? The great shepherd, the chief shepherd, the good shepherd. He won the victory for the people that day. And I'm glad to know that when you and I were facing the giant of Satan and his demonic hosts, when he held us in bondage and captivity, there was one who was willing to go and face him, one who gave his life to die on the cross, one who arose victorious over death and hell in the grave. And, and though, and all the, although Satan may have uh, uh, bruised the heel of the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus crushed the head of the serpent when he rose victorious over this sin and death and this dreadful foe. He is a conquering shepherd. I pray that you know him today. I want us to look at five thoughts this morning, and uh, we'll move through them quickly. Number one, the unproven armor. I'll give you these again. Number two, the underestimated shepherd. Number three, the unseen God. Number four, the undone adversary. And finally, we're going to see the unleashed army. Let's look together at this first thought, the unproven armor. We see it in verse 38. David now has uh, volunteered to go. And Saul said, David, I don't think you can do it. You're just a young man, and he's a mighty warrior. And David said, well, Saul, there's something you don't know about me. When I was keeping my father's sheep, a lion and a bear came and took the sheep out of the fold. And I went after them, and I smoked the lion, and I smoked the bear. And in fact, I didn't smite them. The Lord he delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the bear. And I believe that God, who delivered me out of the lion and, and, and from the bear, I believe that God will also deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. And when he got through with that speech, Saul said, Go, and the Lord be with you. Pretty amazing, isn't it? And then in the next breath, here's what Saul said. Well, if you're going to go and the Lord's going to go with you, you need to take my armor. So David put it on, but it didn't feel right. He said, I haven't proven this. So he put it off of him. You see, this unproven armor speaks of the fact that we who know God oftentimes embrace the strategies and the tactics and the philosophies and truly the thinking of this world. David said, wait a minute, that's not what got me here. This is not proven. You see, Israel wanted to live in victory over their enemies. They wanted to enjoy a measure of security. And so they said to Samuel, give us a king who will go out and fight our battles a king who will organize an army and train an army and a king who will, you know, uh, develop weaponry for us and who will uh, 
adorn his soldiers in in the armor of battle and we we want that kind of king to deliver us they mimic the methods and strategies of the nations round about them but the tactics of the flesh and of human reason only prove to be insufficient don't they think of all the systems and the isms that this world has embraced and now as our nation is in a, in, a, in a real struggle about the direction of our country. There are those who seek to, to, to bring our nation, our free nation, our, our nation that has valued religious liberty under some other new system, one that removes God from the scene, but one that promotes immorality and wickedness. And many Christians are caught up in that struggle thinking that what they need is the armor of Saul the tactics of the world, the strategies of the world. We need to fight strength with strength. (laughs) But we look for the wrong strength. And this is what David was armed with. He was wrong. He uh, He was armed with the wrong armor. And David recognized it. By the way, may God help us to be discerning, to cast off the things of the flesh, the thinking and the philosophies of the world. God's work will not be done the world's way. The church has embraced the philosophy that if we're going to reach the world, if our message is going to appeal to the world, then we have to conform our message to match the tastes and the preferences of the world. That philosophy has really been embraced for a number of years. And let me ask you a question. How has it helped our nation? Our nation has only greatly declined and drifted away from God. And sadly so, the churches that have adopted that philosophy have also declined and drifted away from God and his word. And David said, I I will not take this unproven armor. No, no, I won't take that. I won't go into battle with that. He said, for I have not proved them, and David put them off. May God help us to forsake the worldly thinking that so infiltrates our minds. May God help us to understand that we're in a spiritual conflict and that we're not going to to enjoy the victory in this spiritual conflict of fighting with the strength and energy and ingenuity of our flesh. But David refused the armor of Saul, and he carried only those things to battle which he had tried and proven before. I want you to think about David out watching over the sheep. And the Bible tells us in verse number 40 that after David had removed the armor of Saul, he took his staff in his hand. That's his shepherd's staff. Remember now, he's, he's, he's getting rid of that which is unproven. He's going to that which is proven, his shepherd's staff, and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. And he put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. What did he go in? He went with the tools that he knew. Now, as I said, let's think of David, the shepherd boy. Think of the skills that he honed as a shepherd that would be vitally important to him in his development as a soldier. 
You see, David, you, he learned to use his sling with precision. He could, he could hit any target with that sling. As he watched those sheep, he could see the wolves approaching. The velocity of the sling, the impact of the stone, that had stopped many a wolf and many a beast right in his tracks. No sword could reach those swift predators. What good is a sword going to do you out there? No spear could be hurled with accuracy toward those animals. The sling was the perfect weapon in the hand of a caring shepherd. Do you know what Israel needed at this point? They didn't need a king that looked like Goliath. They needed a shepherd, one who could sling the stone with accuracy, who could watch over the Lord's people. And the Lord supplied them with one, the young shepherd of Bethlehem. He was the shepherd willing to lay down his life for the sheep. He was the shepherd who took very seriously the charge to keep those sheep. Saul, on the other hand, was more interested in his own cause, his own self-preservation, and less interested in obeying God, not at all interested in the glory of God or in the preservation of the nation. And so the shepherd boy took what was proven. May God help us to learn a lesson here, a great lesson. We have what is proven. This book is proven. It is proven to be true. It is proven to be accurate. While every thought and philosophy of science and humanity has come against this book, all have fallen, and one thing remains true today, the Word of God. May God help us to be faithful to his book. May God help us to face the giant in this age, in our lives, with the truth of his word and the power of his Holy Spirit. And may we do so in the posture of prayer as we rest upon our knees seeking God. The unproven armor. Secondly, I want you to see the underestimated shepherd. In verse number 41, the Bible said, the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of fair countenance. The Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. You see, David was an unimpressive foe to Goliath. Goliath was pretty impressive, was he not? Nearly 10 feet tall. He was a giant. He had a sword. He had a spear the size of a weaver's beam. His armor weighed 126 pounds. And he had a man going before him, bearing a shield. Imagine that. This guy seemed to be impenetrable, an imposing force of a warrior that held a nation and its soldiers at bay for 40 days. And now he's coming finally to fight somebody, and it's a little boy, a shepherd boy, with a sling and a shepherd's staff. And Goliath is insulted. He has nothing but ridicule and contempt. And by the way, let me say this to you. This world has nothing but ridicule and contempt for the Lord Jesus Christ and for his church. 
And it's a, it's, a, it's a really good strategy that Satan has. It's a strong weapon in his hand, this ridicule, because we don't like in our flesh to be ridiculed. We don't like to be insulted. We don't like to be looked down upon because we have a, a, a body of flesh that resists that. But the Bible tells me that my Savior, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who spoke this universe into existence, and the one to whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God, is the same one who humbled himself and took upon himself the form of a servant and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You see, the Bible tells me that my Savior was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with griefs. He is one that had no form nor comeliness that one would behold him. He is one that the world hates. But he comes in power and he comes in victory. And you and I must be willing to bear the reproach of Jesus. The Bible said that Moses, when he was still in the court of the Pharaoh, the Bible tells us that he, he esteemed the riches of Christ. He esteemed the reproach of Christ, rather, the reproach of Christ, the, the suffering of Christ, the ridicule of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. He made a choice. I'm going to embrace the reproach of Christ. I'm going to identify with him. I'm not going to be ashamed, the apostle Paul said, of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You see, Moses was willing to embrace the reproach of Christ. Are you and I willing to embrace it? Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We've been there in recent weeks on Sunday evening. He wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised. Hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. You see, Goliath and all of his, his size and his prowess and his power, he didn't impress God. And by the way, he didn't impress God's people, the one that really had a heart for God, David. David was impressed with who God was, and therefore he was willing to be underestimated. He was willing to bear the reproach of Christ and go into the battle by faith, believing and trusting God. And Goliath woefully underestimated the shepherd boy. And he underestimated the weapon that he carried. The weapon was the God who was with him. Leads me to a third thought, the unseen God. We come to verse 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. You're in big trouble, buddy. 
to think that you can take on God and win, this day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. And I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day under the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. I'll tell you what, Goliath, every Philistine and every person in this area is going to know, and everybody in the world is going to know that there's a God in Israel. There were those who stood at the cross and watched Jesus suffer and bleed and die. They thought they were watching a man suffer and bleed and die. There was a Roman centurion who thought that, but after the Lord Jesus died, what did that centurion say? He said, truly, this man was the Son of God. And then on the third day when he arose, those soldiers that were supposed to be guarding the grave, they knew. And the people who saw the resurrected Savior, more than 500 at one time, the indisputable fact of his resurrection proved that he was who he said he was, that he is who he claims to be. He is the Son of God. It's the responsibility of God's people to declare his message to a lost and dying world, to a world that doesn't know who God is. It is our responsibility to bear his name that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And then he, he said, but wait a minute. How about those guys behind me, those Israelite soldiers who for 40 days have stood on the side of the mountain with their knees knocking, unwilling to go and fight this giant? He said, he said this in verse 47 concerning them, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. He's not going to use Saul's armor to defeat this giant. Oh, no, for the battle is the Lord's. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need the tactics of the flesh and the armor of Saul. It's his battle, and he will give you into our hands. You see, David recognized that he held a weapon far superior to that of the Philistine. He had a shield greater than Goliath's. God said to Abram, in Genesis 15, 1, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Can I tell you that if you know the Lord, he's your shield? Be not dismayed, whatever be tied, God will take care of you. The psalmist said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Oh, that's a greater shield than the Philistine had. He had a sword that was sharper than the Philistine. That's the sword of the Spirit. It's sharper than any other sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. David had a spear greater than Goliath. David had a weapon unknown to the Philistines and one, shamefully, that was underutilized by the Israelites, and may I say underutilized by us today, to go in the power and in the name of God. How do we overcome in this wicked world? Faith, the songwriter said, is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith. First John 5, 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. The writer of Hebrews testified of this in Hebrews 11. 
in verse 32. He said, and what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and Jephthah, David also, and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others now didn't have the same outcome. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance offered to them if they would recant their faith not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain, here's where the victory is, a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword, and they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. We said, well, that was a dreadful plight. Yes, but they had a far better inheritance awaiting them. And they're on the winning side. They won the victory. You say, well, they struggled. Yes, they did. They suffered. Yes, they did. But they're in the presence of the Lord, forgiven and justified having glorified his name, having through their weakness become strong and defeated the foes that resisted them. David relied on the Lord for victory and David boldly proclaimed the name of the Lord, the unseen God. Number four, let me give you this, the undone adversary. In verse number 48, the Bible said, and it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Here's the shepherd boy, and he is in full gear. He's not, he's not afraid. He's running after this guy. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone. Just a smooth stone, like, a, like you'd grab at a near a lake bed and try to skip it across or a, uh, the edge of a pond and try to skip that rock across the pond. Same kind of rock. He, he put it in his sling and he, he slang it with precision. And, and by the way, he found the only unexposed place the Philistine offered as a target. What was it? The forehead. Let me tell you this. God always knows. He always knows the weakness of the foe. And he always exposes it. He seemed imposing and impenetrable, but just a little rock slung with precision found its target. And the big giant falls, the stone embedded in his face. He falls to the ground unconscious, perhaps dead. David makes sure by going and getting the sword, the sword of Goliath, unsheathing it, and smiting his head off. You see, here's what I want you to understand. Goliath never stood a chance because he's no match for God. And it just took one boy who realized that to make it happen. 
And let me tell you something. While, while the threatenings of this wicked world and, and the rise of the tide of iniquity come against God and his church, while moms and dads weep over the condition of their children and the, the awful sin and temptation that surrounds us every day, let me say this to you. It's no match for our God. No match. Our adversary is already undone. Jesus has defeated him. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He's an undone adversary. You see, in Gethsemane, <clears throat> when Jesus drank that awful cup of sin, was arrested and carried away, and upon Calvary, the devil bruised his foot. But at the garden tomb, when the sun came over that day, it revealed that the stone had been rolled away and the tomb was empty and Jesus had come out. And what had he done? He had crushed the head of the devil. And do you know that you and I, we live as, as, as believers from the standpoint of Christ's victory over sin and death. Sin has no more power over us. We do not have to submit to sin. We do. We have a body of flesh that is prone to sin. But I'm delivered from the penalty of sin. Oh, my body's going to die if I live long enough before the Lord comes. Yes, but he can't have my soul. I'm going to be with him. I'm going to the land uh, that, that where we never grow old, friend. I'm going to the place where there's no more sickness and no more death and there's no more sin. That's where I'm going. You see, my adversary is undone. He can stand down there in the valley and scream all day long. He can cuss and, and, and try to threaten me and, and try to scare me, and at times he does. But let me tell you something. I've already won the victory because he's an undone adversary. And then lastly, we see the unleashed army. Now, for 40 days and nights, the men of Israel, who were supposed to be fighting the battle, hadn't fought. They were afraid. One guy, a giant of a guy, had held them at bay. Now, I want you to think of the consequence had the Philistines won the battle. Those Israelites would have been in bondage to the Philistines. They wouldn't have been free. They couldn't have done as they pleased. They couldn't have made decisions for their children as they pleased. They couldn't have worshipped God as they pleased because the Philistines would have had power and authority and dominion over them. But when David slew the giant, the Bible tells me in the end of verse 51 that the Philistines fled. They ran away. Their giant had fallen. Their boldness was gone, and they ran. Verse 52, And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until thou come unto the valley, unto the gates of Ekron. And, wounded, and the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way of Shuraim, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines, and they spoiled their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, and he put his armor in his tent. This was an army unleashed, no longer held back. Let me tell you what God has called us to do. He has unleashed us as his army in this world. 
not to go about and destroy, but to go about with the soul-saving message of the gospel to deliver the captives who are imprisoned in their sin, who are blinded by the devil. God has given us the responsibility to go and proclaim his truth. And he has some good news for his church. In Matthew 16 and verse 18, he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There's no congressman in the halls of Congress. There's no judge who sits on the bench. There's no person who will ever stand in the White House who will overthrow the church of God. There's no government across the sea, no army that will ever invade who will stop the church of God. There's no satanic foe who will prevail against the church of God. We are on the winning side. Oh, yes, the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves. They, they say, let us cast off his cords. But let me tell you, friend, one day King Jesus is coming again. And all the armies of the world can't stop him. And with a word of his mouth, he'll destroy them. He will establish his rule upon this earth, and he will reign in righteousness for 1,000 years. And even after 1,000 years of perfect righteous justice, meted out by the Son of God, they'll still be rebels. And they'll gather. Satan will be loosed. And they'll gather for one final rebellion. Have you ever stopped to think, about how, pardon, pardon this expression, I don't know how to phrase it any other way, how ridiculously stupid Satan and the enemies of God are to think that they could come against Almighty God. And after a thousand years of his righteous rule, he's going to allow them to show his glory, to show his justice. He's going to allow them to rebel against him one more time before they can ever get to the battlefield, they're gone. You see, God is a conquering shepherd, our Savior. We're on the winning side. Take heart. You say, Pastor, I'm so discouraged by what I see. I am too. That's why I got to get in here. And I got to see. I don't have to see just that giant down in the valley. I need to see that shepherd king on the throne and he's getting ready for his return and I'm on the winning side and if you know Jesus so are you so what do we do well I think there's some lessons for us here number one we need to lay aside the unproven armor of Saul don't we forget about it the philosophies the education system of this world that teaches you that you don't need God, lay it aside. It's garbage. Put on the armor of God. Bear the reproach of Christ. Look to the shepherd. Put your faith in him. Maybe you're here this morning and you're bound in your sin and you do not have the assurance that heaven is your home. Would you look to Jesus today? He's the great shepherd. He laid down his life for you to give you salvation. Will you call on him? Christian friends, we can live in the victory that Christ has won. 
Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He wants to remind you of your past and your sin and how unworthy you are and tell you every day how bad of a Christian you are. Why don't you receive the grace and mercy and forgiveness of God? And then let's get in the battle. He's won, so let's go after him. Let's tell people about the Lord. Let's stay in the Bible. You say, well, I've tried that, and I get off track. Well, I, I, hey, join the club. Get back on track. Just keep getting back on track. Keep praying. Keep telling people about Jesus. Stay faithful to church. Let's advance like a mighty army for God. Think of the souls in our community who need to hear the soul-saving message of Jesus. Conquering Shepherd. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.